0: This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friends.
1: How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. It is a Wake Forest game day. It is September, and it is a Thursday Drive. WSJS News Talk Sports for the Triad. And I'm ready to watch the Deeks win big tonight. Like, really big. I don't think we're going to include it as part of best bets for this week. Got to get back to the basics. You know, favorites. They're not usually featured in that. The principles of going with underdogs. Overs rather than what we did last week. Big favorites and... Unders, but whatever number you've got to lay with Wake tonight, probably not a bad idea to do so.
2: Put some money on it.
1: And it when it is blowout city tonight, here's the message I expect the ranked Wake Foresters to send. We are more than Sam Hartman. Dave Clawson's system and really his development track record deserve more credit than I'm seeing the national pundits give them even though they are ranked in the top 25, just the second time ever that Wake is ranked in the preseason poll. Dave Clawson has more than deserved the benefit of the doubt. There's a reason why he was the ACC coach of the year last year, and Warren the a Broyles Award finalist for the top assistant in college football. It's also year three for Mitch Griffiths, who's going to be starting at quarterback tonight. So we should be a lot more prepared than some of the past starters we've seen from Wake. Sam Hartman started as a true freshman. John Walford, he started as a true freshman. We saw Jamie Newman have to start for the first time as a freshman off five days prep. And the team you're playing, oh, here's Bradley Chubb about to be a draft pick. Here's Ryan Finley on his senior night. And NC State had everything going their way in that game. Dave Clawson devised a slow-tempo game plan and found a way to win with Jamie Newman. You're not going to have to do that with Mitch Griffiths. The offense is going to stay the same. Does that mean that Mitch Griffiths is going to play as well as Sam Hartman would? Of course not. But he's going to play well enough with A.T. Perry on the perimeter and Donovan Green making his return and having Justice Ellison and Christian Turner in the backfield that they should have no problem moving the football trust in the system trust in Dave Clawson I'm also very confident that the defense is going to take a step I think the defense is going to be considerably better with Brad Lambert brought in this should have been a bigger offseason story and as is the case often with Wake Forest if it was anybody other than Wake in the ACC it likely is a bigger story we talked about it with Wakey Leaks. If Wakey Leaks happened to Clemson, Ground All planes. Dabo Sweeney got swindled? Well, we need to figure out. And that coach, Shane Beamer or whomever, they can't ever coach again because of that. But since it's Wake Forest, wait a minute. What happened with him when that story was brought back five years later? (laughs) That's how people reacted five, six years later. Wait, this happened to Wake? I was having a conversation with the National College football guy last night, and he didn't even know about it. If it was one of the bigger programs, that's the case. This storyline has been overlooked. Wake Forest went to the ACC championship game last year. They won the Atlantic. Yet they decided that they were going to have a change on their defensive staff. They were going to have a different defensive coordinator. They brought Brad Lambert back. Now you ask yourself this question. How many teams in the ACC, if they went to the ACC championship game, would be making a change like that on their staff. How many? Maybe Clemson? Maybe? Probably nobody else. But that happened with Wake because the defense didn't meet the standard last year. And you bring in a guy who you know is up for the job. You know it because he was the D.C. when Wake won the ACC in 06. And he was a head coach at Charlotte, their first ever head coach. And he had a really good defense at Purdue last year. Hit me with the Mike Houston again because boiler up tonight against Penn State.
2: Put some money on it.
1: And Wake Forest minus 35, even though that's not an official pick. Minus 31. Put money on it. Minus 31 and a half. That line's down there. Why am I so confident Wake Forest is going to win by a ton? VMI's not good. They have a coach who's in his eighth year. That coach is 0 and 7 in his tenure, against FBS opponents. The average margin of defeat in those seven losses. 41.4 points per game. And none of those teams they played were Power 5 opponents, like Wake Forest is. Or ranked in the top 25, like Wake Forest is. I think I saw Kent State last year beat them by 50, even though they had a winning record. Them being VMI, yeah, Wake Forest is going to win this game big. When I went to go see them in fall practice and in spring practice, the defense impressed me. I didn't feel that way a lot of times when I watched past Demon Deacon defenses going into the year. So I'm confident Wake Forest is going to be better on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, they're going to be good enough to win the first three games with Mitch Griffiths at quarterback until you get to Clemson. September 24th with them coming into Winston-Salem. The message that they're going to send tonight, Wake Forest, is more than Sam Hartman. It's a program. It's a system. It's an all-ACC coach. ACC coach of the year in Dave Clawson. It's a tremendous staff that he's put together. Tremendous investment that's been put into this program. That's what's going to be on display tonight, and I think they send that message firmly against the Key Dads. On Twitter, at WSJS Radio, if you want in. 336-777-1600 is the phone number. WD and I, going to be hanging out later on tonight. First half, I'm going to be dialed into this game, WD. Second half, when it's a 30, 40-point game, probably going to keep an eye on that Purdue game. Probably going to see what's happening in West Lafayette. Or maybe... Keeping an eye on what's happening in Pittsburgh tonight.
2: Yeah, I'll be, I'll be watching that one too. The other ACC game is the return
1: of the backyard brawl. And this is all you can ask for in week one. High level, contentious, meaningful, like a really important game. And from Pitt's perspective, it's a game they kind of need to win. Even though, I'm sure Neil Brown feels like, he could use a signature win in Morgantown. Pitt kind of needs to win this because when you look at their schedule, I don't see a lot of gimmies. It's why I felt they were going to be one of the preseason frauds. A team that's ranked in the top 25 but finishes the year 6-6 six and six or worse. Not because I think the team's terrible, but because a lot of question marks replacing Kenny Pickett and Mark Whipple to Yossi, even though I bet Nebraska after last week, it's probably thinking, you can have him back, Pitt. You can have him back if you want him. I think the schedule is a problem. After tonight's game, Tennessee, they're coming into Pitt. Rocky Top, not happy with the fact Tennessee left out of the preseason top 25. Hinden Hooker, triad guy. People feel like he could be a Heisman dark horse, if you will. Tennessee, Also in action tonight. So Tennessee, after losing to Pitt last year, going to be fired up trying to win that game a week from now. Then you got Western Michigan. Josh, why is Western Michigan a difficult game? Because Pittsburgh lost to them last year at home with Kenny Pickett. Now you don't have Kenny Pickett, and you're going to their place. You're playing the Bronx on the road. So tonight... I see the Pitt Panthers are a touchdown-plus favorite. They're not going to be a touchdown-plus favorite in their next two games. So you better take care of business tonight. And we haven't seen this game for 11 years. Since Pittsburgh's joined the ACC, this game has not happened. And it's one of the best Northeast-Northern college football rivalries that exists. It might be the greatest. It is fierce. When you talk about the backyard brawl, it's not a joke that it's called the backyard brawl. Look at some of the history of it, including when Pat McAfee missed two kicks in 2008, when West Virginia in the final week of the regular season was going to go to the national title game. They lost to a six win Dave Wanstead Pittsburgh team. And I think Dave Wanstead was on crutches that night. Everything about that game looked like West Virginia was going to win. But rivalries are rivalries and Pittsburgh got it done. It's going to be fierce. It's going to be an incredible scene when you look at the stands there in Pittsburgh and you got all these West Virginia fans, all of them showing up. It might be close to a 50-50 split, even though the game's at Pittsburgh. Having those colors come together from West Virginia and Pittsburgh, it's going to be cool, and that's why College Game Day's crew and the top broadcast team, they're all there. Pitt WVU, going to be awesome, and I like Pittsburgh to win tonight. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, and the difference is going to be Pittsburgh's front, the way they get after quarterbacks. And while we're talking about quarterbacks, that's a neat storyline here too, where you've got not one, but two former USC quarterbacks starting tonight. Guys who shared a quarterback room just a few years ago. Kaden Slovis transferring from USC to Pittsburgh this offseason to replace Kenny Pickett. JT Daniels, you remember, was USC's quarterback, went to Georgia but was banged up going into the year. So some guy named Stetson Bennett started and took the Bulldogs to a national championship. Stetson Bennett back for this year. So JT Daniels moves on somewhere else, and that somewhere else just so happens to be Morgantown. So they're now going head-to-head. Later tonight, that's what we've got. Pitt, West Virginia, a backyard brawl that is going to be high-level contentious meaningful important and that's really what you're looking for this time of year places everyone come on places please we're ready get
0: your morning off to a great start with jeffrey griffin on triad today weekday mornings at seven now back to the drive with josh graham
1: While we were talking to Matt Rule, a conversation you'll be able to find on our podcast channel shortly, search The Drive with Josh Graham, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Pretty big woge bomb dropped. Donovan Mitchell is not a Utah Jazz anymore. He's also not a New York Nick. He is a Cleveland Cavalier. And here's what Cleveland sent to Utah in order to get the trade done. Lori Markinen, former top 10 pick, a guy I actually low-key like. Ochai Abaji, he was the top 15 pick. Carolina fans remember in the national championship game from Kansas. Colin Sexton, hard not to like him when he plays, or at least the stats that he puts up. Three unprotected first-round picks and two pick swaps. This is my takeaway from the offseason in the NBA as it relates to Utah completely starting over, shipping off Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Danny Ainge is really good at this. Danny Ainge now runs Utah, and what did they get back for Rudy
2: Gobert?
1: Uh, An unbelievable haul, and now this? WD, I want you, while I'm handing out Just free money with Best Bets to add up all that Utah has gotten back in those two trades this offseason. Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Just in those two trades. We'll get to that after Best Bets.
2: Your attention,
0: please. (laughs) Please do not turn off your radio. Why?
1: Week zero is week zero. Or I should say syllabus week is syllabus week. Went one and two. Probably should have gone two and one. Ah, Should have just handed out Northwestern plus the points rather than trying to get cute with the under. I made the mistake, WD, of going against my principles. Don't go against your principles. should never do that. That's right. I was laying big favorites and betting unders. That's the exact opposite of what I try to do. If you're going to root for things, root for good things to happen, fun things to happen, bet some overs, or take some teens that are getting some of the candy. So that's what we're doing this week. We're going back to the basics. I really badly wanted to lay Wake Forest minus 31 and a half tonight. I do think they're going to cover that number by a good bit against VMI, but I'm resisting. All I got here are underdogs. Dogs. Eh, Pretty much all dogs, but games for every day between now and Monday. Let's get it started with the game tonight. Purdue, Penn State, and West Lafayette. The Boilers are getting three and a half. I'll take that. A home team getting points? What's better than that? Boiler up. Penn State. They've been so-so the last couple of years. Under 500 in the COVID year. Only won seven games last year. It's a little weird what's going on with James Franklin. Meanwhile, I've been a Brian Brom fan for a really long time. Coach Braum, really good coach out there at West Lafayette. They're at home. This game's been sold out for a long time. I think they've sold more season tickets than they have had in any other point in their history. I think they cash in the night. Boiler up! Purdue plus three and a half.
2: Put some money on it.
1: Tomorrow. If something's working, go back to it. Illinois. For some reason is getting points against Indiana. I know they're going on the road. I know it's Illinois football. But I went one and two last week, and Illinois was one of the was the only one that cashed for me here. So I'm going back to that well. I'm a fan of Brett Bielema. Tommy DeVito looked really good a week ago. I like the fact that they have a game under their belt. Indiana doesn't. And let's be honest, with 2020 being an exception, it's Indiana. It's Indiana. Illinois wins the game outright, but I'll take the two points anyway.
2: Put some money on it. Let's
1: get to Saturday. You know I got East Carolina. You know I got that. I can't be talking all off-season about how I think the Pirates are going to beat NC State outright and then not take them plus the 11 and a half. For this segment's purposes, we've got them with the points. But if you want, want, to, want me to keep it 100, as they say, ECU money line, Pirates plus 11 and a half. You know it. I think they win this game. I think this is the best ECU team since Lincoln, Riley, and Ruff were there. This has been a house of horrors for NC State. I hate the fact that this is their opener. NC State stuff is alive and well. And I also think that uh, the Pirates are going to be playing like their entire season's on the line. ECU, don't let me down.
2: Put some money on it.
1: North Carolina laying just one point now against App State. This line's moved all over the place. Going into last Saturday night, it was Carolina minus three and a half. Then it became a pickup. In one place, App State was a half point slash one point favorite. And now the line has shift, shifted almost to consensus. Carolina minus one. Listen. Pull up a chair. Pretty much... Every situation. I get UNC playing App State, and Carolina's only laying a point. I'm going to take that. Especially when people are saying a lot of negative things about the Tar Heels, despite the fact they won that game by 32. Oh, but Josh, Cam Peoples is back, and App State's physical, and Sean Clark's O-line. They're going to run the football. Carolina has a great front seven. Even though they allowed 24 points last week, they only allowed 56 yards rushing and they sacked the quarterback three times I think Carolina is going to send a message here I think Josh Downs plays for Carolina it's weird that I'm getting this much value with the Tar Heels so this is the only favorite I'm going to lay technically a favorite Carolina minus a point
2: put some money on it
1: Florida State LSU WD this stinks to me he, you, it stinks. Everybody and their mothers got LSU. Brian Kelly's there. We don't know who his quarterback's going to be. And the game is a neutral site game. You know where it's being played? New Orleans. LSU in a neutral site game in New Orleans. So everybody, everything's pointing to LSU. Give me the Knolls. Why? General principle. Three and a half points. I'll take that. I'll take the Knolls. I'll hold my nose. Call it go ACC. Whatever you like. I'm going with the Knolls. They looked really good last week. Jordan Travis. He's back, and the Knolls are going to be a lot better than they were a year ago. FSU. Oh.
2: Put some money on it
1: beating LSU. So to recap the picks tonight, Purdue plus three in the hook against Penn state tomorrow, Illinois, for some reason, getting points on the road at Indiana, East Carolina on Saturday, 11 and a half points. I think the pirates win outright, But for these purposes, we're taking the points, Carolina laying one against app state and FSU on Sunday night. Getting three and a half in the Superdome against LSU. Those are the bets this week. WD, what did Danny Ainge pull in this offseason? What is the greater haul that
2: he got back for Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert? Well, for Gobert, it was Malik Beasley. Patrick Beverly, who's now a Laker, so they don't have him anymore. But uh, Walker Kessler, who was a first rounder, Jared Vanderbilt, and then f- f- four first round picks. So along with Walker Kessler, you got five first rounders essentially. For Mitchell, you got Laurie Markannon Might remember him. Markkanen. Be- Markkanen, being you might remember him from the Bulls. Pretty solid player. You got Obaji out of Kansas. Uh, Colin Sexton, pretty solid player as well. Three unprotected first round picks and two pick swaps. So That's in, all,
1: in all, you got seven first round picks, two pick swaps, Colin Sexton, Ochai Abaji, who was a first rounder this year, a top 15 pick, Walker Kessler, who was a first rounder this year as well. Amalik Beasley.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Am I missing anybody? Watch me miss one player in exchange. That's a team. (laughs) I take that. This is the question that I have. Oh, and I forgot Lori Markkinen also being sent to uh, Utah. If you asked me, would you prefer to have Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and run it back for another year or to have all of that? I want all of that.
2: Agreed. That's what I
1: want. I do. Because you also got a new coach. And Danny Ainge hasn't been there that long. If you're going to blow it up, blow it up completely. That's what they've done. And you got a lot in exchange for that. You really did. I wanted to get to this news too. Coach K received the Order of the Longleaf Pine today. Huh? What's that? That is the highest civilian honor the governor of the state of North Carolina can bestow on a North Carolinian. And it's a no-brainer. But this is the part that's, that's interesting to me. Governor Cooper is a Carolina graduate. When they announced the highway, though, that was going to be named for Dean Smith. They booed him at the Carolina game for some reason. I think that was the Duke game as well. Carolina fans were on one that night when Coach K came in for the final time. They're booing the governor. It's It was a really strange deal. But this is the part that's interesting. The governor had a Duke blue tie on, and Coach K had a Carolina blue tie on. What? What? Congratulations to Coach K. Deserving of that honor for the way he's represented the state of North Carolina for the longest time. The Drive with Josh Graham, only on WSJS. One, two, three. WD, last night was watching... Serena Williams, of course, as we all were, went at the U.S. Open, but also was watching Space Jam for the first time. Next week, you're going to watch the program per coach's orders. Matt Rule giving you that directive when he joined the show today. Feels fitting. NFL Week 1 next week. I don't know why we got on Space Jam. Um, we pro- were talking about
2: kids' movies or something a week ago. Probably because we were trying to. We were in our stage of well, we got to figure out what you're watching next, and you asked me if I'd seen it, and
1: it's just crazy. You but, haven't seen Space course, Jam, but yeah. we'll see what you thought of it. Right now at the movie. Unless you're talking about Star Wars, Obi-Wan has taught you well. These aren't exactly Will's thing.
2: I don't get it. You uncucked swine.
1: But that's about to change because Josh can't stand it anymore. This is At The Movies with Will Dalton. Okay. WD, Space Jam is over 25 years old. Oh, yeah. You have no real good excuse to have not seen Space Jam. As somebody who is a sports person who had a childhood, I'd say. I don't want to get too much into your family background, but it feels like you had a deprived childhood since you haven't watched Space Jam. I mean, I had a great childhood. I just didn't watch a lot of movies. This seems like one that you still should have seen. Probably. Anyway, the past is the past. You watch Space Jam now. What was your favorite part about it? Honestly,
2: probably the soundtrack was one of my favorite parts of it. You obviously had R. Kelly's. I Believe I Can Fly. Uh-huh. Uh, the soundtrack was good throughout the whole thing. Also, it's just... Really? What else is on the it's, soundtrack for Space Jam? I know, um... Kind of going off of one of the, the other Space things. The Space Jam theme song? Is that what you were into? We'll get into the
1: slam! <laughs> you had that montage. It. That montage is really good. Yeah. At the beginning. Um... I mean, it's just an. Old oh, Fly Like an Eagle is yeah. on there. Uh huh. Uh huh. So you have Fly Like an Eagle. I Believe I Can Fly. All you really need is I Believe
2: I Can Fly. Yeah, that's the main one. But Darren's
1: told the story on the show. Darren has. Where after we went to go see T Pain at the Joel, we went and sang karaoke songs in the middle of the week. And I sang that song. And Darren was just berating me, acting like he was messing with me acting like he was a disgruntled fan or a disgruntled uh, karaoke listener by saying, R. Kelly is such a terrible person. This guy's terrible. What type of person are you singing R. Kelly? I'm like, man, I'll tell you what. You gotta separate the two. You, you can't cancel I Believe I Can Fly. Plain and simple. That song is fire.
2: And and plus, the other great thing about this movie is is the obvious one. It's like one of the Greatest collabs that you could possibly have in the 90s. Oh, it just catches Michael Jordan and Looney Tunes.
1: It catches Michael Jordan and Looney Tunes at the perfect point. Yeah. In the 90s, it is a perfect time to mesh those two. You get the baseball references because this is before he joined the Bulls. It's before he rejoined the Bulls that all of this was shot. So him returning to play basketball, Space Jam foreshadowed what was about to happen in real
2: life had him as a baseball player in there
1: rather than beating the Monstars, he just beat carl malone and, and and uh brian russell that's what he did he beat the utah jazz rather than beating
2: the Monstars. what didn't you like about the movie i didn't think michael jordan's acting was very good really i, I didn't Cause again, it's a it's a kids movie. It's hard to find something like oh, it's 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 hard. How about to f- how about Sean Bradley being part of the
1: NBA Monstars? That doesn't age well. No. You had all those superstars. Oh man, we're taking the powers of NBA greats, and they they batted probably about eighty percent, eight hundred. You got Charles Barkley, that ages well. Muggsy Bogues, yeah. that's great. Grandmama. Two Hornets. Larry Johnson. Uh A Monstar. But then you got Sean Bradley. Oh no! One of the Monstars is going to play like Sean Bradley. That's probably why they lost that game. I don't know who ended up being the complete starting five for the Goon Squad, I think they were called in Space Jam 2. But I know Dane Lillard was one of them. Clay Thompson. Yeah, Clay Thompson.
2: Diana Taurasi was in that movie. That's right, that's right. What was your favorite quote? It's an exchange. Bill Murray's character starts it off. It's because I'm white, isn't it, MJ? Larry's white. Bill Murray. Larry's not white. Larry's clear. That's pretty. I good. like that. I love that exchange. Bill Murray, because Larry's white, white, white. Okay. I need everybody to
1: step away from my favorite quote here. Just give me the All space right. that I need. I'll Let it breathe. Ready? Don't ever call me doll. (laughs) What do you think this got Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes? uh,
2: (sighs) 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 Mm, I'm gonna give it a 84. I might be undershooting it. I might be. I don't know. The audience score for Space Jam is 63. Okay, see, I, I thought...
1: This is a lot of adults. Kids aren't voting right. on why I Rotten shot Tomatoes. But you yeah. had a lot of adults who were thinking, this movie isn't good. There's, the plot's weak. And it was kind of weak. That impression is what it would sound like if a constipated listener participated in Weekly Positivity. This isn't good. (laughs) That's been At The Movies for this week. Can't wait for this Saturday. Can't wait for tonight. We're going to be at Truist Field. Many people in the office headed that way. Wake Forest playing VMI. Then you got the games we're attending on Saturday. I will be in Boone. You will be in Greenville, America.
2: With my sup crush.
1: That's right. Sam Jones Barbecue. That's the way to go. I texted Anish Raff, who's doing who's the Panthers play-by-play guy who's also going to be calling the game on ESPN2 Saturday. I know you're going to feel compelled like every national person to reference B's Barbecue. No, no, no. Sam Jones Barbecue. That's the best way to go in Eastern North Carolina in Greenville, America. But speaking of that game, I hope the Ruffin McNeil storyline isn't overlooked. His return to ECU should not be overlooked by any means because there are other stories. You got NC State, 13th in the country. There's that national piece of the pie. There's the ECU-NC State rivalry piece of this. But I think Ruffin McNeil's return to ECU is the biggest part of it for me. It's his first game back since he was fired as the head coach in 2015. And even more than that, he's been at a lot of places. He's coached for a very long time. But he's never coached against ECU. Never. Until Saturday as the special assistant to Dave Doran. I remember a year after he was fired, I talked to Ruff. It was his first interview he did in the state of North Carolina after that. And he was genuinely wounded. He's an emotional guy, and he was crying on the phone with us talking about those wounds that were there left by ECU, his alma mater firing him just a few years after they won eight games with Lincoln Riley and hung 70 on Carolina. It's like a year later. They just had too high of expectations for ECU, and it backfired on them after they fired Ruffin because – That AD who was there at the time thought there would be a lot of interest in the job because they were ranked the year before. Not with their budget. Not with those facilities. Ruffin did a lot more with less, and that wasn't appreciated at the time, but certainly appreciated now. That fence was mended by Mike Houston, who replaced Scotty Montgomery, who replaced Ruffin McNeil. Enough years have passed, too, where Ruffin was inducted into the ECU Sports Hall of Fame last year. And usually there's a requirement, you have to attend the football game in order to get the induction. But since Ruff was working at NC State, he rode down to Greenville for the ceremony the night before on a Friday night. And then that morning before the game, he flew to Florida State. So he hasn't attended an ECU football game since being fired. He's an emotional guy. I'm interested to see how he's going to feel. In fact, I asked him about it last week, and this is how that sounded.
0: I I don't know what emotions I will feel. I'm sure there'll be some that I have to deal with because I've never been in my entire coaching career for three years had to play a a team, the team that I played at and coached, I've coached that. So uh, it'll be a, I'm sure emotional, uh, but then it'll get right to competition. I'm sure very quickly, but, Um, I've never experienced it, so I'm looking forward to it the first time, seeing how it goes.
1: Here's what I hope. ECU can put the rivalry piece aside, maybe bank on their fans a little bit to recognize Ruffin McNeil some way, somehow in front of that crowd. You need to figure that out. I know the folks at ECU are thinking, oh, but he coaches at NC State now, and we don't want fans to boo and all that do the right thing and assume that your people are going to do the right thing in return and I think they will figure out a way to honor Ruffin McNeil on the scoreboard some way, somehow that transcends the rivalry a guy who went to school there that was the head coach there that's in the Hall of Fame there on the visiting sideline for the first time ever that's a huge huge story
2: you're on the drive with Josh Grail WSJS
1: Two hours from now, Wake's going to be opening its season against VMI. If I was doing this show on television and we had a view at Truist Field, I might say you are now looking live at the home of the Demon Deacons, but alas, this is an audio format. So we welcome in somebody that's well familiar with that format. It is the radio voice of the Demon Deacon, Stan Cotton, that joins us now. Stan, tell us about your surroundings right now. What are you looking at a couple hours before kick?
0: Well, hey Josh, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, there are a few VMI folks out on the field, just kind of walking around, mostly coaches, just kind of getting a, you know, a, a feel of of the place. And a few of the Wake Forest folks are out. Some of the players kind of walking around, headsets on. A few of them jogging around, just just trying to get loosened up. I think the specialties come out about an hour prior to kick, and then they'll they'll really uh, get their pregame workouts into full gear about that point. But right now, just you know, people are filing in. The gates open uh, a little bit later, about, about 6 o'clock when you go off the air. Uh, the gates will open. And, yeah, uh, you know, I'm I'm hopeful of having a, a nice crowd. The weather's absolutely perfect. I told Coach Clausen his first few couple of uh, radio shows uh, this year that the weather was going to be good. I looked at the you know, long-term forecast, and he, he made fun of me that, that I would have faith in a long-term weather forecast. But it's been a great day. It doesn't feel as humid as it has the last few days, and I think we're going to be in the 70s during the game. So, Some of the shadows are starting to creep out over the field here uh, at the stadium. And so, you know, just a lot of excitement getting ready for another year. And, uh, you know, makes return a lot of uh, quality players. And I think we're going to have a good one.
1: I'm seeing here on social media that Sam Hartman is on the sidelines. He's down there supporting his teammates and certainly supporting Mitch Griffiths, who's getting his first career start. in researching this game and getting ready for it, What's been your favorite anecdote that you've been told about Mitch?
0: Oh, wow. Well, you know, it, it, the thing I like about Mitch is, you know, his dad was his high school coach. And, and so you know the son of a coach knows X's and O's in and out. On top of that, Mitch is a really intelligent kid, as, as most of these weight force players are. So this, uh, this offense of Coach Dave Pawson, And Warren Ruggiero, you know, it's complicated. Most of the decisions for the quarterback happen after the snap of the football. Do I hand it off? Do I keep it? Do I throw it? Do I throw short? Do I throw long? And I think Mitch will be able to handle that. Now, you know, he's a redshirt freshman, but this is his third year in the program. So he's been around for a long time. He understands the offense. Problem is he's only been under the gun eight games his entire career. So it, it's certainly different when the lights come on and they are on already, by the way, game on the ACC network as well. But I, I just think he, he's got the, uh, the noggin to handle it. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to Mitch having the range tonight. Now, don't get me wrong. I wish for Sam Hartman, he, he was starting and certainly hope he he's healthier. He's healthy sooner than later, but for Mitch, I'm happy that he gets a chance to show what he's got. And uh, I, I would be, shocked if he doesn't play very, very well tonight. I, I really would be.
1: That's, that's how I feel too. And I, I feel like this is not a shot at Sam Hartman. This isn't a criticism at all. But Wake Forest is more th- about more than Sam Hartman. It's about an ACC Coach of the Year who has Im- implemented this system over years and Warren Regiro and Kevin Higgins behind the scenes. And this is a lot different, Stan, than... What Sam Hartman stepped into at Tulane, his first game in 2018, as a true freshman, and Jamie Newman with five days prep before that Thursday Nighter at NC State that year, and even John Wolford, who started as a true freshman. So I guess when you look at Brad Lambert, who we're excited to see defensively, and Mitch Griffiths, two areas that people are kind of concerned or having question marks about, I think there's a real argument you can make both ways that you're probably going, expectations are going to be exceeded in both regards.
0: I think so. I think you know. And full disclosure, Brad Lambert is a, a good friend of mine. Our families are very close. Have been. We go all the way back to the early '90s together at Marshall under Jim Donnan back back in the day. Uh, right before uh, Marshall started winning a, a lot of a lot of games. Now that, that first year I was there, '92, with Brad as a secondary coach, Wake won the one double A national title. But um, I, I think Brad Lambert's a great hire. You know, he was here with Jim Grobe. He understood then, and he certainly hasn't forgotten. That he understands now, the type of kid that won, you can get in school at weight, The type of kid that can stay in school at weight. and and the type of kid that can compete at the highest level of the ACC. He had some great defensive players uh, in his years here, obviously uh, under Jim Grove. So I think that's a great hire for for Dave Clawson, and and I think in a lot of ways they're they're very different people so I I think they'll they'll help one another in in a lot of different areas Brad helping coach Clawson and Dave Clawson certainly uh, helping Brad Lambert uh so I I I think you know you'll you'll see a lot of focus on third down uh Brad's been very uh, open about wake has got to be a better football team on third down so I'm anxious to to see the first few weeks what what Wake's able to do on third down and they still have to be a team that, that takes the ball away. I mean, I, if Wake can do that and take some of the pressure off of Mitch Griffiths or Michael Kern or Sam Hartman when he comes back, I mean, you look at that supporting cast of Wake's offense with, you know, Donovan Green back and A.T. Perry uh, coming off the year he had, Taylor Moore and uh, Keyshawn Williams, all the experience on the offensive line. Kicking game should be fine. So I just think the supporting cast is there. Uh and, and I think this, again, potentially has has the, the chance to be another really, really good year for Dave Clawson in his ninth year.
1: Stan Cotton with us from the stadium at Truist Field ahead of VMI Wake Forest. Before we let you go, a couple of basketball things. It might as well be Chris Paul Day in the triad because this morning mm-hmm. – He had the Men's Basketball Clubhouse, the new one over there that they've been working on the last few years, dedicated to him, named after him on the men's side. And then at West Forsyth, in the last couple of hours, they have named the gym for him, named the floor for him, which is a really neat deal over there. Um, When you think of Chris Paul's impact, you've been here for a long time now. Is there a guy that's been more impactful in your time being here than Chris Paul has in terms of being a local, but also what he did at Wake and after he was done at Wake?
0: Well, probably not, and, and I think that's because you know Chris is is so dedicated to giving back, and not just to Wake, uh, and not just to West Forsyth. You know, he he gives back in a lot of different ways to this. Community, his family is still here and very engaged here at Wake Forest and, and around around town. But you you don't get to be the kind of player that that Chris Paul is on a worldwide scale in the NBA, uh, and come back and do the things he does and not be the man, right? <laughs> he he just uh, has been such a good ambassador for Wake Forest, for for Winston Salem, for North Carolina. Uh, and we're also very proud of, of him and what he's been able to accomplish away from here and also, uh, back here. So he's, he's a great role model for young people. Uh, when I think of Chris Paul, I immediately think of, of Skip Frosser as well. Those two were quite the pair now. Those, those two together did a lot of damage. And, uh, I wish, I, I just wish that Skip were still alive to, to see what Chris Paul has become, to see the man, the father, uh, you know, the the outstanding member of the community that that he has become. I, I know that uh, that would have pleased Skip uh, a great deal. So, yeah, Chris deserves deserves all the attention, all the accolades. Uh, he's just he's one of the best to come out of here without question in a lot of different ways. So good for him. This is Chris Paul Day, as far as we're all concerned.
1: Coach Mike Muse last week was sitting in here, and he said the quintessential Skip Prosser guy was Ish Smith, who was named as a Wake Forest Sports Hall of Famer last week, ran into him earlier today, and he's just so excited for football and everything going on at Wake. What's your favorite Ish Smith memory?
0: Well, I remember, quite honestly, before he – well, his shot to, to beat Texas in the NCAA tournament never forget that one but um before he even got here i was talking to to coach Prosser one day and he said look i've got a kid coming it's faster with the ball than chris paul now he said he's not chris paul at least not yet anyway but with the handle with the basketball in his possession he is faster from point a to point b than chris paul and certainly uh, Wake fans know what I'm talking about. He he could really scoot with the basketball and has taken that trade, among others, uh, obviously into his professional career. So uh, Ish is just a, a great one. Uh, so happy to see him elected into the Hall of Fame. And uh, that'll be a fun night when, when he's inducted. But those two together now, and I know they were together today. I saw some of your social media, some of the video you did. Um, but uh, those two together, Chris Paul and Ish, uh, Ish Smith, uh, pretty, pretty good tandem when you're talking about former players and and how they represent Wake and the community uh, here in Winston-Salem.
1: And so much. And this is a Skip Prosser thing as well. So much about they make sure to never forget about their teammates and to talk about their teammates more than themselves. Chris's speech, a third of it was about Josh Howard and about Ish and about some of those guys and Ish. Even the day when I ran into him and last week he nearly. Uh, he had like a, almost did an audio book on the show talking about how Jeff Teague needed to be the next guy who gets into the hall. So that's cool stuff too from those guys. Hey, you get ready for your broadcast. Maybe give uh, Larry Sorensen a wet willy, and I'll try to bother you guys in the studio in a little bit, or in the in the in the booth in a little bit.
0: I'll let you hand out all those, but uh, I'll tell I'll tell Larry you said hello. How about that?
1: <laughs> that sounds great. That's Stan. Uh, you're the best man. Stan Cotton joining us.